we are just days away from Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, and it's a, a very, very important time for all of us. Uh, for every, for every uh, person who is righteous and seeking Hashem, we know that the, the time of Elul, these days before Rosh Hashanah, we're seriously inspecting our hearts and our minds. We're contemplating our relationship with Hashem and asking ourselves what things need to be changed and the things that we should do tshuva over repentance. And so tonight, uh, what I would like to do is uh, talk to you out of the 30th chapter. And I would like to speak about repentance and its connection to Rosh Hashanah. The verses that we will read in chapter 30 are verses which are very encouraging, very much like the book of Isaiah that we did in the Haftor portion last, last week. And um, before I get into it, I want to just sort of lay uh, groundwork of our environment and the, the society we live. Um, it seems to be quite dark outside. It's troubling. You understand what I mean? Just dark. Just things are going on in the world that just seems to be so complicated. And we know and understand that, um, that these tribulations and difficulties are used, and Hashem is using them as proddings for His people to do tshuva and do repentance. Obviously, He would like the whole world to do tshuva, but many people in the world are just too evil to even think about doing it. At the same time, there are people in the world that are looking to reconnect to Hashem, reconnect to God. And in this Parsha, God is uh, speaking through Moshe to the people, and He speaks, remember we spoke about uh, the, the mountains, mountain of curse and blessing, and when you go, you will see the mountain of cursing and blessing, and you'll know that if you do these things, blessing will come in your life, if you do these things, uh, cursing, or you don't do them, cursing will come. We follow up in this, in this chapter, and it says this, I will be, it will be that when all these things come to you, blessing and the curses that I have presented before you, then you will take it into your heart among all the nations where Hashem, your God, has dispersed you. Now think about this. Right off the bat, they hadn't even entered into the land, and Moshe is telling them, God is going to disperse you. You hadn't even went into the land, but you already know there's going to be a day that you're going to be outside of the land. So it's interesting to see this. And we must remember that God never abandoned Israel. Never abandoned Israel. He never replaced Israel. He then says, And you will return to Hashem your God and listen to His voice according to everything that I commanded you today, you and your children, with all of your heart and your soul, then Hashem, your God, will bring back your captivity and have mercy upon you. And He will return and gather you in from all of the peoples to which Hashem, your God, has scattered you. If your disperse will be at the ends of heaven, from there Hashem, your God, will gather you in from where He will take you. Let me pause there for a little bit and talk about a few of these ideas. In verse 1, it talks about you will see these blessings and the curses. 
the blessing and curse, a broad view is not enough to know, uh, I mean, a broad view of Jewish history will show that the allegiance to God brought blessing and sinful behavior obviously brought curses. But at some point, Jews will realize that when they do, when they do realize that there is more blessing than cursing, they will return to God and earn that mercy. What does it mean? It says, it, it, says, it will be that when in these days come upon you. What are the days that are going to come upon Israel? They've got to be sick and tired of living in a curse. They've, they have got to get to the place to where they see the nation's hatred for them and the Arab nations wanting to destroy them. At some point, they're going to go, we, get, we have to return to God. At some point, we need Hashem to change things. And it says that when they do it, He will come to them. He says, then you will take it to your heart. It says here, it is not enough to know intellectually that the service of God is right. One must feel it emotionally as well. Take it to heart. And only then will repentance flow. True tshuva cannot come just because you have the hell scared out of you. True repentance comes when you know you need God. You need God. There's, there's some emotional relationship that is stirred up within you. So what will happen is the people of God at some point, and I believe it's coming very soon. It's all, actually, it's already begun. right? There are all kinds of people returning back to Torah Judaism, even some people that had no idea they had Jewish ancestry until they started this journey back. They felt that tug, and they, they, they are living observant lives because they truly do love Hashem. They truly are devoted to Hashem. Verse 3 and 4 talks about a time, it says, And then Hashem your God will bring back your captivity and have mercy upon you, and He will return and gather you in from all the peoples in which Hashem your God has scattered you. And then next it says, if you're, if, you're dis if you're dispersed, will be at the ends of the heaven from where Hashem your God will gather you in, from there He will take you. Once Israel repents, there is no barrier for what God can do. There is going to be no barrier. At some point, Israel, and when I say Israel, I'm talking about call Israel, all of Israel. I'm not just talking about conservatives, reform, orthodox. I'm talking about every one of us, to include those in the nations who have attached themselves to Israel. When we truly do tshuva, when we truly, with a sincere heart, approach Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur to say, God, this year is going to be different. This is going to be a different year. I am not, I'm going to now act upon all the things that I have made, may have given lip service to. This year is different. I am going to be completed and I'll be transformed and I will live a righteous life. When we all do this, Hashem will speed up redemption. I promise you it is going to happen. As a matter of fact, we heard from the prophet in Isaiah where he says to wake up. Wake up. Waken yourself up. To, to realize what's going to happen. If we only knew that by doing this little act individually, committing to draw closer to Hashem and live a more righteous life, we would speed redemption. Every one of us would be on our face for the next few days until Rosh Hashanah. Many of us, if we realize that redemption, that Mashiach would be here at the sound of the trumpet that will be blown on, Yom Kippur, on Rosh Hashanah, this whole weekend we would be in the carpet 
flailing ourselves and inflicting our soul and asking Hashem to change our lives and to help us to draw close to Him and we do tshuva over the things we've done. Hopefully this lesson today, the words of Moses will echo through time and smite our hearts, our neshamas, and cause us to want to come back. He says, Then Hashem will bring back. The better word for bring back is the word is a word that literally means God will return with your captivity, implying that God Himself, as if He were in captivity. Now think about it for a second. I know that we've always said that we living in a sort of a dumber-down spiritual generation compared to the time of, say, Rabbi Akiva or, or Moshe. But in reality, the reason why that we're in this situation is God is also in captivity. He also has withdrawn himself, his Shekinah, Shekinah from, from, uh, from the uh, Temple Mount. So he himself is exiled. What it is saying is God is saying, I myself will come from exile. I, my face will no longer be hidden. You will no longer just seek me and f try to find me through Torah. You will know me because I will have my presence again on this earth. An amazing thing. From this, the sages de uh, derive that when Israel is dispersed, God's presence go with them. Megillah 29a. Alternative, the return from exile will be as difficult as if God had to take each Jew by hand and bring him or her back to Eretz Israel. What God is saying is, I will make sure that you get back home. That's it. Kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming. Absolutely. Yeah, kicking and screaming for some of us. Verse 6, let's look at 5 and 6. Uh, Hashem, your God, will bring you to the land of your forefathers possessed, and forefather possessed, and you shall possess it. You will do good to, I will, do, he will do good to you and make you more numerous than your forefathers. Hashem, my God, your God, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring to love Hashem, your God, with all of your heart and with all your soul that you may live. The circumcision of the heart comes when we truly repent, right? That's what the circumcision is, meaning that the, the flesh has been torn away and now you stand before God with a covenant heart rather than just a heart full of covetousness. Something about something changes in your heart. Um, the sages say this divine assistance follows the principle that if one comes to purify himself, he is assisted by God, Shabbos 104a. And the profound change implied by this verse will occur with the coming Mashiach. Throughout history, people struggled with conflicting desires to do good and evil so that they will earn reward by the right choice and punishment for the wrong. And the foreskin is the spiritual barrier that prevents goodness from dominate, dominating the heart. After the final redemption, however, man's natural inclination will only be to do good. Can you imagine to wake up every day and not have to struggle over your mitzvahs? Not have to struggle over what you need to do to do good. Never even, doesn't even cross your mind. Why 
is it so important that we do tshuva right now is that one day, and maybe this year, we do tshuva and Mashiach comes and the flesh of our heart is circumcised. And we'll never have to worry about doing tshuva again. Think of, can, you, can you imagine living in a world where you didn't have to do tshuva again? Can only imagine it. Verse 9, it says, Hashem will make you abundant in your handiwork and the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your animals, the fruit of your land, for good, when Hashem, for, for good, when Hashem will return to rejoice over you for good, as He rejoiced over your forefathers. Today, Khomeini, um, you know, the spiritual ruler of, uh, in, in Iraq, Iran, declared that Israel would not exist within 25 years. Now, the reason why that's so funny to me is I hear the voice of God. Who do you think has more power over Israel? God or Khomeini? Of course, God. And what does God declare? No matter what man declares, God says that if you'll repent, I'll, I'll, I'll pull you out of that circumstance. I'll pull you right back into the place. You'll prosper. Your land will prosper. Your cattle will prosper. And he says, I will make you abundant. An interesting commentary. It says, so God will uh, give you greater blessings than he gave your forefathers. Let's think about this. More blessing than the forefathers. Already we see Israel prospering as a nation much greater than any time in its history. Right? Any time. Verse 11 through 14 says, For this commandment that I command you today, it is not written, is not hidden from you, and it is not distant. It is not in heaven for you to say, Who can ascend to heaven for us and take it uh, to, for us? so that we can listen to it and perform it. Nor is it across the sea for you to say, who can cross to the other side of the sea and take it for us, so that we can listen to it and perform it. Rather, the matter is very near you in your mouth and in your heart to perform it. The, the, the accessibility of Torah is what this is talking about. Many of you who are raised in uh, another religion was told it was impossible to ever do anything in the Torah, right? It was impossible to live a righteous life. And so in essence, we're telling the creator of the universe who gave the Torah to his people to do these things, that God actually gave them things to do that he knew that they couldn't do. I've been told that, right? And you've heard that very same thing. This verse itself proves that that is a lie. Because God says, not a big deal. It's just right here. It's available to you. So how is it that the Torah is accessible? The goal of knowing and fulfilling the Torah may, be, may really seem to be beyond human capacity. I know for people who listen to these classes for the first time, uh, and it was like that for all of us. I know when I first started taking Torah classes, I thought I was going to have an aneurysm, right? It's like, where do, how do you even begin to understand what this guy is saying? It's, it's, you know, he's quoting Hebrew and, and terms that I've never heard of before. But it is actually not the case. Every one of us is a perfect example that as you listen to Torah, it's what I use, like to say, it's, it's like a medication that has a systemic effect, right? You take it, and you know how they tell you you have to take it for so many weeks before it starts having an effect? Torah is the same way. And at the, at the same time, just like the medication, if you come off the medication, you start going down. You don't, you've got to stay on the medication. And the idea with Torah, if you will stick with the prescription 
of study or listening to lectures, it will change your life and it will become very accessible to you. You'll understand it. Since to the contrary, Moses told Israel that the Torah is not beyond their reach. Far from requiring superhuman effort or supernatural revelations to, to, uh, to be equal to God's expectation, that goal is very much within reach. If they but make a sincere effort to grasp it, the message reinforces this idea, this reassurance, that if you will repent, I will repay. And in this situation, if you will study, you will gain wisdom in Torah, you will gain uh, wisdom. Verse 12, it says, it's not in heaven means, but even if it were, you would be expected to try to scale the heavens to study Torah. Arashi, you get it? If God would have said it is in heaven, then he must expect you to, to get a rope and try to climb, right? Even if, if knowledgeable, if, even if knowledge of Torah were so elevated as to be beyond our capacity, you would still be required to make the attempt to master it to, to whatever extent you can. Repentance spoken of above is within capacity. You do not need a prophet to bring you a heavenly message or a prophet to help you repent. Think about that. How pure is repentance when it comes from a heart that's not been prompted by circumstance or a person calling you to repentance? Often we know the prophet's call for repentance for the state for Israel often fell on deaf ears. <laughs> Rarely did it happen. Verse 13, he says, nor is it across the sea. One should not feel that the physical effort of a, a adequate of adequate Torah study is as difficult as an impossible difficult journey. Following uh, his above theme, this comment is basically says it is not necessary to seek out the greatest scholars of the world who may be across the distant sea. So what is, what is he saying? And this is applicable to a lot of people that will watch this class, who gets up in the morning and you read your daily Tehillim, uh, your daily Psalm, you go to Nativ on that side panel and you'll click for what's the Hamash reading for the day, and you'll go through and you feel disconnected, and you feel like, how can I ever catch up? These people seem to be so far ahead of me. And what Hashem is saying, you don't need to be in a native community to become a lover of Torah. You don't have to be a part of a community for God to impart to you heavenly wisdom and Torah wisdom. He will unlock it for you if you'll simply seek Him with your whole heart. Verse 14, he says, the, 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 rather the matter is very near you in your mouth. Interesting take, uh, Rashi says, you have been given both written and oral Torah. The verse speaks of mouth, heart, and deed. God wants primarily, primarily the uh, sincerity of the heart. Some commandments involve speech which inspire the heart, and some involve deeds, which inspire speech. The heart recognizes where one has sinned, and the mouth confesses, but recognition and confession of sin are prime ingredients to repentance. The sages teach that a fetus is taught Torah in the womb and is caused to forget it at birth. This is found in the Daf 30b. But if he is not to remember, why was it taught to him? Thanks to the parental teaching, every child has the, uh, the affinity to the Torah. 
And even someone who's never had the privilege of studying Torah may be inspired with just the intuitive wisdom of it. In verse 15, it says, See, I have placed before you today a life, the life and the good, and the death and the evil, that which I command you today to love Hashem, your God, to walk in His ways, to observe His commandments and His, and his, his decrees and His ordinances. Then you will live and you will multiply. If you don't do it, does it mean that you're going to die? What, what's this living about? Is this living in physicality or is this a spiritual thing? Super spiritual thing. It's why he says that if you don't do these things, you are considered dead. Shem considers a person who has not walked in his ways to be a person who has no life. When he says choose life, that's what he means. Does it mean that you are really dead? It's just spiritually, if you're dead, you might as well be physically dead. That's basically the way it appears. So, uh, goes on, he said, um, let's see, ver what verse do we leave off on? Verse 16, okay. Verse 15 is a commentary by uh, Rav Yechanan, uh, said of the verse, uh, uh, the life and the good and the death and the evil, says, from the day that God made this declaration, goodness and evil did not emanate from his mouth. Rather, evil comes of its own accord to one who does evil, and good comes from one who does good, according to Rashi. And, and the quote is Lamentations 3.38. says in verse 19, All heaven and earth today bear witness against you. I have placed life and death before you, blessing and a curse, and you shall choose life, so that you will live, you and your offspring. Today should be a day of encouragement to choose life for all of us. Rosh Hashanah is coming. And each day that I think of this high holy day, I'm asking myself, what am I going to do different next year that I have not done this year? How is my life going to reflect true Torah knowledge. You see, Torah knowledge without the deeds, there's no knowledge. Does that make sense? And that's just an elevation of intellectual ideas. You really don't have knowledge of Torah if you don't follow it with your deeds. So carefully, I've personally examined myself and, and asked, how can I learn to control my tongue and guard my tongue with the gates? How can I guard my eyes and my ears not to hear evil or to look upon evil? How can I engage myself in more sincerity in my study of Torah? You see, all of these things matter. And in thinking about this, I really began to realize when God says to choose life, He truly means you are living. If you are attempting to do any level of tshuva, repentance, and God sees you as alive, He will re resuscitate you, he will assist you, He will guide you, He will take you by the hand, and I guarantee you that if you'll give it the effort, the Creator of the universe will pay attention to it. Can you imagine a child, any one of your children when they were younger, attempting to do something like ride a bike or learning their, their alphabet or alphabet, uh, that you would be discouraging them because they are, are not 
excellent as you expect them to be, but you see how hard, how much effort they put in it. As a parent, any effort your child puts in something like this, you are encouraging them, you're helping them along, you're giving them assistance. That is what Hashem is willing and eager to do for you. And I love verse, um, uh, what verse 19 says, it says, you shall choose life. The Torah stresses that the choice of life is not for the benefit of the one making the choice, but also for the offspring as well. This implies that one should choose in such a way that one's offspring as well will be inspired to follow Torah. I have grandchildren, and I, I wonder where, where will my grandchildren be? How will they receive Torah in their life? I'm pretty much guaranteed by the Creator that if I'll do my job, Hashem will make sure that His, his part is taken care of. He says, I will do this for you. But here is the key to choosing life. And when I mean choosing life, meaning very consciously and contemplatively, every moment is about choosing something that draws me closer to Hashem. The music I listen to, activities I do during the day, whatever it may be, I have to stay on track. And you've heard this statement many times. You do what you love. You do what you love. If you truly do love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, these, these things are not, it's not even a challenge. If anything, it's an exciting thing to add it to it. To love Hashem. The sages teach that one should study the Torah without an alternative, alter, ulterior motive, such as desire to be uh, honored, um, such desire that he be honored by a rabbi. By definition, love of someone means that one cares only to be attached to the object of one's love without any selfish concern. Since, a way, since the way to achieve love of God is the study of Torah, such study must be purely for the sake of Torah, not because it can lead to personal benefit of any sort. Someone who studies Torah, the Torah with other motives loves himself and not the Torah. So if you say, I study Torah because it helps me get parnasah, you're lying to yourself because you're not doing it for the love of Hashem. And I guarantee you, as soon as you get parnasah or wealth out of it, you'll quit studying Torah. And that's how it works. Even Hashem said, when you get into the land, you're, you're fatted, you're sated, you're taste, you know, enjoying the fruit of your labor, you'll forget. You'll forget me altogether. And we understand that the true connection to God is to love Hashem. I was speaking to um, a young man a couple of days ago, and I was explaining to him the importance of loving the creator of the universe, truly loving God. And I can't even explain it. How do you love something that you have not seen? You know, you you can't comprehend him. It's much too vast, much too big. How can you love Hashem? And when I say love Hashem, it, there's also an emotional component to it. right? You, you feel an emotional component. When I was younger, I loved Hashem as a young child would. Now that I'm older, I love Hashem like I love my wife. I have this sense of duty and dedication to my wife and a relationship with her. But how do I truly love Hashem? The most incredible thing is to know this. Hashem does not receive any benefit from you loving Him. He actually doesn't even need your love. It's not like 
God, the creator of the universe, feels insecure and wants you to love him. It's not the way it is. How do we show and demonstrate our love to Hashem? Study his Torah, revere him, honor him, tremble at the very thought of his presence, and we show our love for each other. As we love each other, we're actually, that is the only way that we can show Hashem love. We show Hashem love when we actually take the things that he says and take them to heart and begin to live by them. That's how we demonstrate it. So how is this year's tshuva going to be different? And how do we merit redemption in this age through our tshuva? It's by recognizing that we don't have a choice. Because the longer we wait to do tshuva, and I'm talking about real serious heart change, the longer we wait, the longer we prolong our suffering in this world. And it's, it's tough. It's a tough world to live in. It's even tougher for a lot of other people who live in, in foreign countries. But with God's help, this year can be a different year. We have Rosh Hashanah service here on Sunday at 4. And I think there are some that are going to be going to Chabad later on. Um, we have... Yom Kippur service the following Sunday at 4 p.m. and we'll be here and this is a true time of repentance and truly changing your heart. The Ramchal talks about a foolish man who looks at his life and thinks he's okay. Fool, a fool looks at himself and goes, ah, I'm okay. God understands me. Now, I'm not intimating that anybody in this room are sinners, okay? You understand what I'm saying? But we all have things that could cause us to draw closer to God. When I talk about tshuva, tshuva, even the righteous do repentance. Does that make sense? Even the righteous does tshuva. was reminded of a story I heard Rabbi Mizraki gave the other day. He said that this guy is like a great chacham, this expert in Torah, and they notice he had his iPod on his earplugs and he's walking down the street oblivious to everybody else and so he asked him you know what do you listen to I'm curious you're like an expert in Torah what do you listen to all the time and he goes oh I love this guy and, and he's thinking this guy is a Karuv Torah teacher like an outreach teacher very simple very basic a lot of tshuva a lot of call for people to perfect their midot and their character he's like why do you listen to that it's so simple he goes, because I love doing tshuva so much that every time I listen to one of these lectures, I want to uh, get before God and do more tshuva. That is an expert. That is a, that is a true righteous man. A person who constantly feels the need. Not because you feel anything other than a love for the Creator and you want to please Him. And to want to do tshuva like that will change the world. And that, my friend, I hope can start from this little pebble called Nativ. And those who watch the TV over the next few days seriously take time to spend personal time, hit by the do personal prayer, and walk in the field. Go find a field of woods, get away, spend some time with the Creator, and expose yourself and open yourself up and say, now's the time for your wisdom to shine in, your Torah to shine into my life, and illuminate all the negative things that need to be changed or transformed. That concludes this sure.